right. Thanks, Kevin. Put this in. Put this in here. All right. So, why do we study theology? What is theology? You guys ever heard what theology is? You guys know a definition of theology? So, in, in, in my classes, I ask a lot of questions. So, if you don't, if you don't answer, this is going to be a really fast class. So, <laughs> and you can get out of here really early. So, um, so, do you guys know what theology is? Just shout out a definition. Study of God. Study of God, yeah. So, that's good. Study of God. So we could even be more specific with that. Study of God as revealed in the scriptures. So not revealed in however what anybody wants. What we do is we hold um, to that. So I have a super long quote from you. Sorry if you can't read it. Um, I had to write really fast. But this is from A.W. Tozer. Um, I believe that if there is one area of our theology that is most lacking in the church today, it is our understanding of who he really is or who God really is. Our rudimentary problem is that we do not fully comprehend who he is. Our thoughts about him have become very unclear, fuzzy, or oblique. The result of this distorted view of deity is that it leaves everything else out of focus as well. Whenever we lose a right view of God, everything else gets out of perspective. Do you guys agree with that? Do you see that? How do you see that? Have you ever ran into a situation like that? Here's another quote for you. Oh, yeah. Don? I think about um, how sometimes we, people focus too much on the love of God and not on the justice of God. Okay, that's good. So it's like, you, so it's like when, when we're walking down the path of life, if you over-focus on one attribute of God, you start, you, you get a narrow view of it, and you end up in the ditch on the other side because you're so worried about not being in this ditch, you end up in the other ditch, right? <laughs> so that's good. So you have, we have to understand who God is fully. Good. Any other ways? So a lot of times in theology, we look at this as a head knowledge, um, but this, we need to think of theology as a heart knowledge. So why we know what we know about God and who he is changes how we perceive and live our life. Any theology, or as we opened up the scriptures, any theology or what we learn of God should change us and should change our actions and should change our hearts and should change our desires because we see God fully and more fully. And so therefore we want to praise and give glory to him. And so we can't a right understanding of theology and, and a right way of studying it should change us um, completely. So A.W. Tozer also said a really neat quote. Um, and um, it, this is a really hard one to wrap your mind around. So he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I'm going to say that again. Think on that. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when, when we think about God and what we think about God is what drives us and is what um, changes us. So it's a, so it's a really important thing. That's, that's why we spend so much time on theology and studying it and wanting to know who God is. So what we're going to do now is jump into angels. So hopefully you have a handout, um, and we're going to uh, follow that. Um, we're going to follow that handout. There's almost four pages of notes on angels, and I'm given one less one lesson here. And just so you know, Tyson uh, has two pages of notes on demons and Satan, and he gets two weeks. So I don't know. There's some injustice there. <laughs> So we're not going to probably hit every single thing on here. We're going to jump around. Um, I'm going to try and prioritize a lot of this. Um, so in angelology, our, so, our, our source of data, what is our source of data? Scriptures. And so that's what we're going to, um, 
really look at, take a look at. Angels are mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. It's also mentioned thousands of times in our secular culture, right? What are some common things that you hear from culture that's not backed up by scripture um, that you hear in secular culture about angels? We have a guardian angel, so that's the biggest one. Um, Every person has an angel that guards them, and so um, angels definitely are involved um, quite a bit in that, but we, there's no, nothing specific about a guardian angel. Angels have wings and they're women. Okay, angels have wings and are women. Yeah, because rightly, um, um, angels are described of in their physical form as male, right? Even though they aren't given over to marriage, we know that, so they're kind of past... Um, male and female roles, but um, having wingles, wings, all of them have wings, right? When a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So, Okay, that's a big one. We become angels when we die. I've heard that a lot. What about the angels look like chubby babies? So <laughs> you, see, you see that a lot. We, have, we see angels help us overcome temptations. You have a little angel on your shoulder, like a demon on your other shoulder, and they help you. Angels don't, aren't involved in overcoming temptations. We actually have a higher power that helps us with that, and thankfully so. So in light of what we just talked about with here, um, and, and understanding our right theology, what are some dangers of these misconceptions? Okay, so we just rattled off four or five. What can happen if we think wrongly? Instead of being in <clears throat> awe of the Lord, there's so much awe and almost worship of looking for angels, seeing angels, Yeah. So I, I think I think that's the biggest one. We see a lot of angel worship here uh, secularly. So let's turn to Romans one, tw- uh, chap- Romans chapter one, verse twenty. And this is why we want to study angels rightly, okay? And not let secular culture dictate what we believe in angels, but rightly know that from the scriptures and have right theology. Um, so Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for his, or for God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they know God, this is talking about uh, sinful man or fallen man, for all they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to them, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of the bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So angels are created beings, okay? And so therefore they, and we're going to talk more specifically about that, they should not be worshiped, okay? God gets all the glory. Um, We don't, so therefore we are not envious of angels, and nor do we worship them, okay? And so those are important things. Anything else that you guys, that was the big one. Kind of just the flip side of that, I mean, if TV shows and movies show like the angel on one side and or something on the other, people might think like, okay, well that's not real, that's just in popular culture. Therefore you can actually start to downplay the reality of angels to the point where you might think, Angels aren't actually real. They're just a figment of imagination. It's just something popular that we say, like the tooth fairy or whatever. Right. Yeah, they're so cartoony, right? Yeah. That we're like, okay, this is ridiculous. It makes no sense and it's stupid, right? And so you can reject that. So I know it's, it's like rejecting a. Yeah, so that's good. Anything else? Okay. Yeah, Danny? we accept the, uh, the misconceptions about angels, then we're missing the reality of who angels are. And we also, and if we confuse 
like angels and, and humans in terms of last things and what happens after death and that sort of thing. Then we, then we miss out on the truth of what our position actually is. Yeah, so that, that's an excellent point, Danny. I didn't even think about that. But it's like if, if we think, like let's say we think we're going to be angels, we miss our role. We miss our proper role, and we're going to talk about our role later on in ministry. So, um, but yeah, that's really good. So to rightly understand angels' role helps us rightly understand our role, and then to see God's plan and to um, glorify Him. So that's good. So we're going to jump down to the key terms. Um, there's a lot of different names used for angels, and you're going to read um, down there. Um, and we'll get to that. The sons of God, morning star, holy ones, host, watchers, men, spirits, and men. So angels are sometimes described as men. Um, they can take our appearance, right? But um, they're not men. Um, they don't have bodies. They're spirit beings. Okay, we're... Uh, it's very important to distinguish that angels do not have physical bodies. We do, um, theologically. Um, and, that, and we'll get more into that a little bit. So, um, But messenger is the base meaning of angels. Okay? So kind of like, you guys know deacons? Deacons, do you know what deacons mean? The base meaning of deacons? Serve. Serve, yeah, they're servants, right? So angels mean messenger. Uh, you guys know what apostle means? To be sent. So they mean something, and then they get elevated to a title, okay? So um, angel means messenger. So it actually gets applied, that term messenger or angel, gets applied three ways. It gets applied to men. So, for example, um, uh, Jacob in Genesis sends out messengers to Esau. Now, he's not sending angels out there. He's sending people, right? So... Um, so it gets used to that. Um, then there's angels of what we think of as angels. Um, you might hear an angel or an angel of the Lord. And then also messenger applies to the second person of the Godhead or the Son of God. Okay, so it's the angel of the Lord. Okay, the messenger of the Lord. So that's why it gets really confusing. It's very helpful. A lot of our translations fix that a little bit. So when they use it to apply to a man or a human, um, it's just messenger. So you'll see that messenger. Um, if you see it applied to angels, you'll see an angel or an angel of the Lord. And then when it's applied to the Son of God, um, which is pre-incarnate Christ, um, in the Old Testament, it's um, the angel of the Lord. So you'll even see, like, um, in Matthew chapter 1. Here, let's just turn there if you're interested. Well, Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> it's probably important enough to kind of camp on this a little bit so I don't lose anybody. Um, so Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, um, it's the birth of Jesus when they're talking to Joseph. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they uh, came together. He was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and, an, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So chapter 1, verse 20 says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you call his name Jesus, and you'll be to save the people from their sins. So... Um, so you'll see uh, both in there and angel and an angel of the Lord. And that's just talking about what we would think of as a regular angel. And then if you turn to um, Genesis 16. And this is Hagar when um, Hagar is running away from um, Sarah. Because uh, Sarah had, was... Um, because Hagar um, bore um, a son for Abraham, and so Sarah was jealous and was mistreating her. And so Hagar ran away. 
Um, and, and then we have in verse 7, we have the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the darkness and a spring on the way to Sir. And he said to Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. So that's a regular angel can't say that. Um, this is the pre-incarnate Christ saying that. Um, and then verse 11 says, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your afflictions. So this is, um, you're going to get to see the Trinity here, because in verse um, 11, he's talking about because because the Lord has listened to your afflictions. So, um so Jesus, the Son of God, is saying, God, Yahweh, has heard you. So he's talking a little bit third person about himself. But the Trinity is one of those remarkable things that we can't really grasp and understand how three persons can be one God. Um, but, but So our translations help a lot with that, and that's why you see the angel of the Lord um, um, used. But how do we know specifically, most importantly, on it's the angel of the Lord and it is the Son of God. What do you see in all these? And so you're going to see this a lot on the burning bush, um, which is the angel of the Lord. We're going to see that in Joshua, which is another, um, when the commander of the Lord's army comes, um, you're going to see that a lot in the angel of the Lord. What are, What is the distinction, how we know for sure that it is the angel of the Lord as opposed to a regular angel? Do you guys know? Worship. That's the key. Okay, so that's how we know. And you're going to see Hagar here in verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. So you're going to see an act of worship. The burning bush at the, the angel of the Lord. Moses took off his sandals and worshiped. Um, and the key word is worship, so much so that you'll see in Revelation who's, um, where the Apostle John sees an image of an angel. It's not the angel of the Lord. It's an angel of the Lord. John starts to worship him, and the angel says, do not worship me. I am just an angel. So that's how you're going to know is worship, okay? And only God receives worship. Angels do not. And so um, that's why that's really um, extremely important. Any questions about that? Um, I was thinking about going through that really fast, but I wanted to make sure that we really understand that. And that's why there's a lot of confusion about angels, because the angel of the Lord and the second person of the Trinity um, being God. Just, just curious, so you said <coughs> modern translations kind of fix that to make it a little bit more clear through the, the articles that are used in front of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know whatever you're familiar with the original languages, but does the original language make that more clear itself? Like uh, I, so I don't know. I, okay. do, uh, Denny, Tyson, do you guys know? Um, I'm not, I don't know Hebrew. I've heard that Hebrew doesn't have articles. So I don't know, Google it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just know that they, um, there's no, I, from what I understand, there's no articles, and so it's like translations. And that's why it's like these translations, we got to understand translations are commentaries. Um, the better, the, you know, the more, and so that's why it's really important that we go to the um, original languages and that, you know, we value our pastors that study the original Greek and the original Hebrews to help us with that, so... That's good. Okay, so we're going to get with the um, creation of angels. Um, angels were created out of nothing. Ex nihilo or something. I don't know how that's pronounced in Latin or Greek. I think it's Latin. Um, it's out of nothing. So uh, there's a lot of mythology that's stuck with angels that we have to watch that we don't get caught up in. Okay? Um, they're probably created on the first day um, in the beginning. Um, 
but so they are created, therefore we don't worship them. So do you hear a theme So in me? Uh, making sure that we understand rightly, and it's going to be important as we talk, uh, as we continue on um, talking about that. So, because um, we know, um, turn to Colossians if you want to. Colossians chapter 1. I like to, you guys don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I like to turn and read because I have trouble hearing. Um, I have to read it, and I understand it a lot better when somebody replies it. So that's why I give people that opportunity. Colossians 1.15, this is the most famous of the preeminence of Christ, okay? And, and to really understand how preeminent God is. So, and this is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Okay, so so that's the Son of God created everything by himself for himself. Okay, so, you know, this world was not created for us. Who was it created for? For the second person of the Trinity, okay? So, so you can, we, we can be clever here, and we can say the angel of the Lord created the angels of the Lord. So, isn't that confusing? So the angel of the Lord created the angels of the Lord. So um, if you understand that, then you, know, you guys pass this class. So if you don't, come and talk to me later, okay? <laughs> if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, um, but we have to understand, um, if we understand that, then we can really understand those relationships of Christ and angels. Okay, Hebrews chapter one is a tour de force of of who of the preeminence of Christ. So, like after after you read he, um, after this class or something, or when you get home this afternoon, read Hebrews chapter one. It talks about the um, the preeminence of Christ. So, why do you think the author of Hebrews wanted all that talked about the preeminence of Christ because what happened in the first church what were they doing they were worshiping angels okay Jesus is above and then who are the very popular group of religious people that worship angels right now do you know who they are huh it's a trick question a little bit you guys are familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses? What do they do? Who's Jesus? Huh? He's a prophet, yeah. Huh? I haven't heard that one, but... But he's actually Michael, the archangel. Okay? So Jehovah's Witnesses have lowered Jesus to an angel. Jesus is a created being by Jehovah's Witnesses, okay? So, and they worship Jesus as a created being, and so they flat out say that. They'll, they'll even say, okay, well, you can't worship Jesus as much as Jehovah God, um, but you can still worship him um, as a created being because he's so preeminent. Um, so they have to do that. But the scriptures are only God deserves worship. Angels do not. Okay, so that's the same thing with that right there. Jehovah's Witnesses make that mistake. They have a wrong theology, therefore they worship wrongly. Okay? Um, so moving on to the next page. Um, relative to man, <clears throat> we'll talk specifically. And if you guys have any questions, just raise your hand. That's no problem. We can, uh, we can stop and talk um, more about that. Um, angels and man are both servants and messengers of God, right? So we're both servants of God. Angels aren't um, anything um, other than that. They don't have a different class. They are, we're servants and we're messengers of God, right? And angels are servants and messengers of God. Now, angels are more powerful than us, right? I don't think, um, Gabe, do you think you can take on an angel? 
No. <laughs> so um, angels are more powerful. But what do we have that angels don't have? Saved by grace. Oh, amen. Grace. Yes. What do you got? Um, so, so think on this. Jesus died for us. Did he die for angels? No. Right? So he died for us. So he loved us enough that we can't even understand. We cannot wrap our mind around that. He loved us. We can't understand the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of his love for us. He redeemed us. And therefore, what will happen because of his love for us? Do you guys know the story that Jesus told or that happened of the sinful woman forgiven? You guys familiar with that? He in there. So there was a sinful woman that, so Jesus was invited to um, a Pharisee. And the Pharisee did not offer to wash his feet, didn't greet him with a kiss. Um, but there was a sinful woman there. What was the sinful woman doing to Jesus? Is, huh? Didn't anoint him with oil, but he anointed him. She anointed him with something else. Tears. Tears. She was so repentant of her sin. She was crying and wiping the tear from the tears, wiping and washing. Jesus said, "She washed my feet with her tears." Okay. Then he told a story. So I'm, let, I'm making you guys work your brain this morning. Then he told a story. We're going to collectively tell the story of debtors. What were the debtors? There was two people that were in debt, one with a great sum, one with a little sum, and both debts were forgiven. Which one loved the one who forgave the debt more? And what did the, huh? The bigger debt. The bigger debt, right? So in angels and man, Who's more grateful? Us or angels? Okay, so then what in heaven, what does that mean? If God loved us amazingly, how much are we going to love? So we will love more than angels. Okay? Our capacity for love will be greater. Why? Because we have been forgiven more. Okay? And so that's what that's teaching um, there is those in um, not only in man, but we have that capability. And it's not anything we did, right? It's the grace of God. God gets the glory. God gets the worship. God gets the honor. And so therefore, we are vessels that reflect God's glory in heaven more because we have been forgiven by so much. That is a huge, um, that is a huge blessing to have up in heaven. So that is a wonderful thing. It's like, because we're forgiven in heaven, we are going to reflect God's glory more than angels, even though angels are so amazing and so powerful right now, which they reflect God's glory in their own way, right? We just reflect God's glory in a different way. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> No, they love. We're our, so the, argue, the argument Jesus is making, our capacity for love will be more because we have been loved so much. Give me an example of an love. I mean, so we would, I mean, just the fact of serving God in all the different ways that they serve God um, would be one aspect of love. Um, Michael, the archangel Michael in the book of Daniel did a fought a demon for I don't know how many weeks I forgot right now. So I mean they're doing great things so that he can get a message to Daniel this vision. So, um, but but I think I think they would if you don't have love then um, I think then you'd be like a like you'd be a fallen angel which we're going to talk about next week. So fallen angels are demons, right? 
So, any other questions? I have a question, but what you were talking about reminded me of our study in First Peter. Um, so I went and found it. But in First Peter 1, 12, it says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things with which angels desire to look into. Hmm. Remember, we talked about that because... Again, like you were talking about the wonderful salvation and the things we've been given, the things that the angels look to, it's just interesting to see they long to look into that and know yeah. what the relationship that we have with Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, what happened when Jesus came, um, was born on earth, they rejoiced, right? They knew what was going to happen. They've seen the destruction uh, that sin does and the corruption on earth. And they're like, Jesus is here to redeem man. What a wonderful thing. We're going to see how awesome God is. And then when, uh, when, when somebody repents, angels rejoice. I mean, it's an amazing thing. I just, I, I always think, I, I just, I, I can't fathom, and that's what Ephesians says, but we can't fathom the depth and the breadth and the height of God's love for us. It just, why would God do that? You just sit there and it's just like, I'm just dumbfounded on why he would do that. Why would he create? people um and then why would and then a fallen people uh that hate him and then he dies for him and um and forgives them it's amazing it's amazing so thanks for sharing that so so the characteristics of angels so so god is powerful um, and he supplies our protection in powerful ways, okay? So we don't want to look to angels as our savior, right? So, but angels are used for God's glory. So they worship and praise. They have great perception, speech, their curiosity. Um, they have a moral responsibility. So if they sin, they are fallen angels um, and they um, aren't redeemed, right? Only mankind is redeemed. So um, they are deathless, um, but there is a spiritual death that's going to happen when they're thrown in the lake of fire. So, um, but they will always exist. Um, they have, they're, they're wise, they have, they're strong, um, they have extra speed, so they can appear out of nowhere. So... And then we'll talk about uh, demons and evil angels uh, later um, um, for that. So appearance of angels. So what do angels look like? Beautiful. Beautiful. Shining, right? Shining. They can appear as man. What else do they look like? Tall. Tall, yeah. So they're usually beautiful, um, uh, very strong and healthy, very good looking. I mean, they, so Lot had to protect angels because the men wanted uh, to kidnap them in, um, in Genesis. So, but they can appear as that. They don't have a physical body, so, um, but they can appear as one. So um, it was a big concern for Lot. So, I mean, we could talk about that now. So hospitality is a huge, huge thing um, in that time. Um, we've lost a little bit about hospitality. Uh, to, uh, to, to, so to, it would be a deep shame to Lot if the people he was protected were um, taken advantage of or stolen, even though the angels were like, well, it's not going to be a concern. But it's important that Lot believed that they were valuable enough to die for. So um, hospitality. I, we have a friend from Senegal, Africa, 
and um, he was he was talking. We were talking about hospitality and and different things like that. And he was and I was talking about yeah, Americans we just don't have the hospitality that Senegalese have because if you invite somebody over for your house, they stay there as long as they want to. So what what do we have? Um, um, guests and fish stink after three days. So that's the that's the that's the American saying. But in Senegal, you invite somebody over, they can stay as long as they want. So um, so he relays the story. It's like yeah, I visited my uncle who's Senegalese, married an American, and he visited him in Washington D.C. And so he stayed there and stayed there and. Um, um, and then the American wife was getting upset because he's been here for weeks, and, and and so and so the and so she was given you know the husband who's Senegalese. I was like, well, you know, why, how long can he be here? How long is he going to be here? It's like, well, as long as he wants to. Well, she gave us such a hard time. The the my friend's uncle goes to him. I was like, ah, you can't you can't be here. You, anymore. You've been here long enough. My wife, she doesn't understand. You got to leave. Even though he explained it like that, that's a huge insult to him that my friend kept bringing up. We've known him for like 10 years. He keeps bringing up about how his uncle wouldn't let him stay and wasn't hospitable. So we could learn um, hospitality. Um, we want to be hospitable and loving and to the point of death. Right, so as as Lot shows us, as as what we have, what does that mean to love and love deeply? Um, um, hospitality is difficult and and hard. I mean, there's some cultural aspects to it, but just understanding hospi hospitality, because what the Bible says, when we entertain str strangers and be hospitable, we might be entertaining angels which Newsboys had a great song about entertaining angels, so. <laughs> but I guess, just to the point of, they are body-less. So I mean, I, is who Lot had in his house, is that merely a projection of a human? Oh, I, yeah, I haven't, I don't know. Because I know, like, so, I don't know of, do you guys know of angels eating? That's always a big thing. Jesus ate after his resurrection. So that was really important, eating something to show that he's a physical body. I don't know if angels, regular angels, ate anything. If you guys know of an example, that might um, put something on that. But that just thought came to my head. Denny, do you know anything? I try to think of that. Story of uh, Abraham, but I'd have to look that up and yeah. Because I don't know, like if it's God, um, if it's God, God eats, and so it's like if it's the angel of the Lord, him eating, that's bodily. But I don't know about angels eating. I just know like somebody eating shows that they're a body and not a spirit. So, but, so that would answer, if you ever see like an angel that, and we know it's not the angel of the Lord, but an angel um, eating, then that might, then I would probably lean towards, I bet it's body, but I'm speculating, so. So, I don't know. Okay, so. So I don't know if they can appear, but it's important to know that angels in and themselves are spirit beings. Maybe they can have a body for a little bit. I don't know, or maybe they just have the appearance of a body. But um, I know it's a it's it's a big deal theologically that Jesus came bodily, the hypostatic union. He's fully God, fully man. Died on the cross for our sins, paid that penalty, um, and then was resurrected. So, and it's important that we believe. So, as we know from first. Uh, from Corinthians, um, that we are bodily resurrected. So, and that's why we bury ourselves. So, we our bodies are a seed, um, and our spiritual bodies are going to be the flower of that seed. 
And so that's going to be amazing things. Because like, when I look at an orchid seed, it's just a round little circle. But an orchid flower is beautiful. So that'll be fun. The other reference that I was looking at was in Genesis 18. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it says the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him, and, and they ate. Okay. In, in that situation. Yeah. Is that, I'm wondering though, I've heard that used, I don't know if that's angels or if that's the Trinity. I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah, so um, have you guys heard of the description of in Ezekiel of angels and the description in Isaiah of angels? There's, in Isaiah, there's, they're, they're flying around, they have six wings. Two wings are flying. What are the other two wings doing? Yeah, covering their face, covering their feet. Okay? So these are spiritual descriptions of what's happening. These are, these are the authors through the Holy Spirit trying to relay spiritual things happening to us. So whenever that happens, Paul has a great term. Um, because he's actually been brought up into heaven and seen spiritual things. And so what he says is, I'm trying to speak in human terms because of your natural limitations. Okay, So we have these natural limitations as we can't see spiritually, nor do we wrap our mind specifically around there. So, so to just try to describe spiritual beings to us um, gets really um, difficult. Ezekiel um, is... Um, Four heads of angels. One's a, one's a man. One is, a, I think, a goat. No, a cow. Another one, I, I don't know what the, it's a tetramorph. Um, and, um, and then they have these wheels full of eyes that are spinning around them. And I, so, so then... I, <laughs> It's like, well, that's interesting. So the important thing is, it's like, that's probably not what they look like, but that's what they look like spiritually. And so when we wrap our mind around it, it's not so much, so we speak in human terms because of our natural limitations. We have to look at what they're describing. So what does, what is it describing when angels are covering their face and covering their feet? What does that mean? Covering is an important thing. What does a covering mean? So the Ark of the Covenant has two angels, and the angels cover the Ark. What is a covering? We have clothing on that covers our nakedness. And here's the big one. Jesus died on the cross as a covering for our sins. Okay, so wings are representative of covering. Okay, so that's the spiritual implication of that. So just um, the feet are need to be covered, the face needs to be covered, because no one can see God, right? So um, the pinion, um, God uses his pinions or his wings to cover us and protect us. That's the imagery in Psalms. So these wings are very you know important imagery of that angels are cover us, can protect us, cover themselves, um, different things like that. So I have no idea what the wheels are. So <laughs> I don't know if like, I know chariots were the big thing. And so maybe power, like chariots, I don't know. But we'll find out eventually. Okay. <laughs> So it's important not to take these spiritual descriptions literally. Um, so um, when when we go when we go through that, so so the hierarchy. So the next page hierarchy. There's archangels, living creatures, cherubim, seraphim, fallen angels. There's a whole bunch of different types of angels. We know very little about the hierarchy. We don't even know if there is a hierarchy. There's archangels, Michael and Gabriel. 
we don't know what their roles are. They're, they're, I, I, I've heard a whole, there's a huge mythology, a Jewish mythology of all these different archangels. Um, you have to be really careful on that because right theology means it's the study of God that we get from the scriptures, not from Jewish mythology. So just really stay away from the mythology of angels. It's very well written. Uh, it's very interesting and it's very complicated, but it has no bearing in fact. Okay? So um, I think there's like six archangels and there's in Jewish mythology, there's a whole bunch of different demons like Azrael, which is the cat on Gigamel's and Smurfs. I don't know. You know, the cat and Smurfs. So... <laughs> You guys had to think about that. So, um, but there's a whole bunch of uh, <clears throat> a big mythology of that. So be wise um, and really kind of look at what the scriptures say about that. Okay. So the ministry of angels. So we know that angels are strong in our amazing uh, ministry. Um, the um, I look forward to serving God. Um, in a more perfect way in heaven. But until that time, um, how can angels help us be better ministers to God? So we look in here, the minister, there's a whole big thing of reference of all the different ways um, angels are ministers. So they ministered um, to Jesus after his temptations, loved and cared for him. Um, they send bread, they take commands from God, they are messengers and send word. Um, obviously, we don't have the gifting and the abilities on them, but, um, but until that day when Jesus comes again, how can we serve like angels? What do you think? Is that too hard of a question? Well, let me let's back it up. What do angels do? Praise God. Praise God. Good. What else do they do? Huh? Fly. Fly. Mm-hmm. That's good. Messengers. They're messengers. What else do angels do? What's their ministry? Serve. Serve. Good. Reveal and communicate. Reveal and communicate. Good. Yeah, God's plan. That's good. So turn to Second Corinthians twelve. So we're gonna we'll close with this. We're gonna read verse nine, um, but before I do, so Second Corinthians twelve verse nine. Before we do, but just think of all the ways that. So angels praise God. They praise God for his mighty works, his mighty deeds, um, how wonderful he is. They reflect God's glory frequently. Um, they bring God's message clearly. They work hard to do that. They love God. So they minister to people who are hurting. Um, they trust God implicitly. So, so as I read this, this is Paul talking about his visions um, and how he was caught up um, with visions and revelations to God uh, that he doesn't quite understand. Um, and then he talks about a thorn in his flesh, the weakness that he has. And well, we'll go, we'll do, let's do eight first. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that 
it should leave me, talking about the thorn in his flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So as believers, is it bad to be weak? So it's not. Why is it not bad to be weak? What's, why is it not bad? Is that too easy of a question or too hard? I want you guys to think on that. So when we're weak, we're strong because that allows Christ to work in us. Humility, humbleness, um, and weaknesses can reflect God's glory more effectively sometimes than strength and power. Okay? The mistake, the mistake that we make is when, um, when we are not boastful in our weaknesses, when we try and do things of our own power, um, or we envy other people that are strong or angels that are strong. So to understand our role and the gifts God gives us and to humbly look to God to supply our need. So the mistake is not looking to God. The, mis the, the mistake is not being weak. The mistake is not looking to God to help us in our weaknesses. Okay? So remember those things. Angels are a great example of God's glory. Um, and um, we don't want to worship them. We're thankful for them. They're amazing. But to know their proper role, just like with um, that quote there, the proper role um, and helps us understand God more and understand our role and how best we can glorify him. Okay? Any questions? So that was a whirlwind. So I didn't think I'd make it that far. So that was good. Finished right on time. Um, so we're going to talk about demons next week. So um, let's pray here. Father, we're thankful for today, and we're thankful for your glory. You're so amazing. We're amazed at your mighty works. We're amazed at your creation. We're amazed at your love and your sacrifice for us and how you've forgiven us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all you've done. Help us be humble. Help us to look to your word. And Lord, help us in our weakness. Let us not think that we can do mighty things without you, but let us only believe that we can do things in our weaknesses because then we are relying on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.